right, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, I have the pleasure, like Joel said, of kind of kicking off starting this new series, Awkward Family Christmas. And the reason we titled it that, the reason we're kind of doing this series is because we think that for the most of us, there are kind of like these two competing sides of Christmas. That a lot of us kind of go into the Christmas season with this in mind. Go ahead and throw that first one up. We go in there kind of thinking like Buddy the Elf, right? That we're going to walk into the Christmas season. It's going to be magical. We have all these really high expectations. We have all the feels of the holidays. And everything is going to be amazing. And then when we get our, you know, our family together and our loved ones together and we take the photo it's going to look like this, the perfect family photo. We're all smiling. We're having some sort of action. We're doing something together. It's a great time. And I think that we have these expectations probably from all kinds of different things, but um, probably two big things. Is part, part of it is from your family. I know at least from my family, it was never spoken, but it always kind of felt like during the holidays, you were supposed to just kind of fight less. And, like, if there's an issue, you just kind of had to, like, hey, let's just deal with that in January. Or, you know, we just had to kind of just get along, and, like, you knew you were going to spending way more time as a family, which is kind of weird because normally when you spend way more time with people is normally when you fight more anyways. But so family is part of the expectations on that, right? And then also our culture. Like, our culture, that this season is just different. Even people who are, like, maybe not even that religious or not even, don't even care about Jesus and the whole Christmas story, like, they're still like, oh, but this is a season that's supposed to be different. This is a season about giving hope. This is a season about, like, treating others differently and love. And it just has, like, this kind of different feel to the season. And I think because of those high expectations that it can make this season to be honest, really awkward sometimes, right? Because we have things that don't always go perfect. Like I know and probably in 2020, maybe there were some, gonna be some coming up, but normally we have like these uh, awkward work parties, work Christmas parties, where like you have to have your coworkers and now all of a sudden you have to bring your family to meet them. And you're like, bro, you gotta act normal right now because I gotta have a job tomorrow. Please be normal. Um, and then you also have to have like your awkward family gatherings as you're getting together. Because like, let's be honest, like you might even be super excited to see most of your family when you're getting together. But we all have like a couple people that you're like, eh, they're going to bring up the awkward thing. They're going to push. They're going to, you're maybe like, you know what? If you don't show up this year, I'm not going to be super disappointed. We all have a few people like that. And then you like gather your family together, your loved ones, and you're ready to take the perfect family photo. And instead, it kind of comes out looking a little bit more like this. <laughs> Hopefully not quite like that. Or maybe you're like this family and you sent out a postcard that looks like this. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I, I've looked at this for far too long this week, and I will say my favorite part is in that bigger picture with what I assume is the husband looking, it looks like he's like probably trying to like look like protective over his family, and instead it kind of just looks like he's looking down on them, like they're less than him, especially with his face being so big. I don't know. For me, I love that photo. Um, but I want to, this morning, to share with you uh, one of my own awkward family photos, um, and I think when you look at it, it's not going to look awkward initially, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background of what was really happening. So go ahead, throw that first one up, or that one up. Um, 
I love this photo. I don't know. At least in my mind, this is like one of the iconic Gruber family photos. Like when I think of Gruber family photos, this is one of the ones that come to my mind. Um, But despite the fact that everyone looks so happy, there was a lot going on. Um, First off, me and Sarah had just adopted those two amazing boys in the photo uh, one month before that. (laughs) They didn't speak any English. And we were still in the throes of, like, trying to figure out, like, how to be parents. (laughs) And, like, trying to figure out, like, am I doing the right things? Are we doing things that we should be? Are there things we shouldn't be doing? Um, Not to mention, like, the boys themselves are probably feeling really overwhelmed. um, Especially not really getting to kind of really know who they're even meeting. Um, We kind of did this thing. We kind of quarantined for, like, the first month. We did quarantine before school. No big deal. Um, (laughs) But, um... We kind of, for that first month, we didn't see anybody else. So it was just the four of us hanging out because we really kind of wanted to set like a strong foundation for our family. And so this was like the first time they were going to see our family. And so we told my parents, hey, you're just going to get two hours of us on Christmas Day because we were trying to go to three different families. We were trying to not make them too overwhelmed. You can imagine how my parents felt knowing that we were only going to be there for two hours. They felt, you know, ripped off, felt a little cheated. So they were already kind of annoyed with that. Um, And then on top of that, at the moment that this picture was taken, we were already 30 minutes late to our next family Christmas, which happened to be Sarah's family. Um, So as you can imagine, we were already kind of really annoyed with each other, even before this picture was taken. Um, My younger sister is there um, looking like a a fifth wheel. So there's that. (laughs) And then my brother and his then at the time girlfriend were already in the middle of a fight before this picture was taken. Um... And when this picture was taken, we were literally about to walk out the door. Again, 30 minutes late to the next Christmas. So we were like trying to rush. And then we had realized we hadn't taken a family picture. And so everyone had to get back together. Like, you guys got to take a picture. While my brother, when we were walking out the door, he was on the way to go use the restroom. He, he was, yeah, going, going this. Um, But that's why when you see this picture, everyone else is sitting down except for him because he said he was unable to sit down for the photo. (laughs) So I think, and I'm sure that if like we had time, like everyone has like that family Christmas photo that you could point out and do like the breakdown, right? Of all the different things that were happening, all of the awkward moments that were really in that picture. And I think that sometimes when we have these awkward moments unmagical moments during Christmas, doesn't it kind of feel like this isn't what this season is supposed to be like? But what we really want to look at in the next few weeks through this series is that that is the very, that the very first Christmas, the thing that like started the whole thing was filled with awkward moments. And that all throughout the Christmas story, we see uncomfortable, hard, and even really embarrassing moments. So that when we have awkward moments through the holiday season, instead of feeling disappointed or like our expectations haven't been met, maybe those are the moments that we're actually closest to some of the feelings that were happening during the original Christmas. And so you're probably thinking I'm being a little dramatic. You're like, Nico, you're just being dramatic with the whole awkward thing. Like you're a teenager. I already get enough of that at home. Um, Well, let me show you that I'm not being dramatic. So I want to kick off by reading a passage from the Christmas story. And before I read this, um, I want to be honest. 
and I'm here too, I'm sure most people who are here watching this are feeling this, that we have heard the Christmas story a little bit ad nauseum. Can we say that? Like we hear it every year, and because of that, sometimes it doesn't really hit us in the same way. And I think for a lot of us, we kind of can almost be desensitized to it. And even if, like, you're someone who maybe didn't grow up in church, like, you are someone, like, I still hear the story because of, like, all the different kind of things that come with this season. So I just ask you that before I read this, try really hard with the best that you have to try to read this, to hear this with fresh eyes, to see this with fresh eyes, and maybe even imagine what the experience would be like for Mary, like, kind of going through this. This is the... Let me read this passage. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And I think when we hear that, it's almost like we are numb to like the awkwardness of this moment. Because this angel just comes to Mary with this compliment, which if we're going to be honest with ourselves, like if we were in a similar situation and someone walks up to you and says, hey, How's my best friend doing? Or, hey, someone told me you're the smartest one in the office. Like, you're instantly like, you're getting a little nervous. You're like, all right, who, what do you need my help with? Who do I need to help you move this weekend? Whatever it is. Now, take that feeling and amplify it 10 times. Because this is an angel, not just a person, showing up. And I know that this story takes place a long time ago. And, but I want to make sure we're all on the same page that angels weren't just like hanging out with people. Like that wasn't like a normal thing. So like this would have been weird even for Mary during this time. She didn't ever probably see an angel before this moment in her life. It's not like angels just hung out with them. So I have no doubt that Mary in this moment is feeling all kinds of feels. She's confused. She's nervous, excited, really scared, and no doubt feels really awkward in this moment. But let's continue in the passage. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And what I love about this is that Mary, he's given this big mission, but she doesn't come with all the accolades, right? It's not like the rest of the world was looking at her going, oh, well, of course it's Mary. She gets picked every time. She's like the top student. She's like the honor roll, whatever it is. No, in this moment, before this happened, Mary was just an average teenager at this point. She wasn't known for anything, and I have no doubt in this moment, Mary is feeling really inadequate. Like, she's probably even thinking things like, 
you know what, are, are you sure you have the right person? Like, are you talking to me? Or like, you know what, there, nothing ever happens here. Like, she came from a small town. She's like, nothing ever happens here, nothing crazy. But what makes this awkward moment turn into a life-changing moment for Mary was that she was willing to surrender herself to what God wanted in that moment. Instead of choosing maybe what she wanted, she chose to make herself available to God and the bigger plans that he had for her life. And I think for a lot of us at this point, we ask things like, you know, why would God do this? Or like, why does God want to use like broken, imperfect people to change the world, like to do really significant things in the world? And well, to be honest, like I think it's because God wants to call you to things so much bigger than you can accomplish on your own so that when people see it happening, they know it definitely is not you doing it. Like they know it's not by your own power. That when they see what God is doing through you, it has to point to God's love and to God's power working in our lives. Because I really believe that God wanted to use Mary to do great things. And the flip side of that is that I really believe that God wants to use us to do great things. Like that hasn't changed. God wants to demonstrate his love and his power in your life. He wants to do life-changing things through you beyond what you could ever do on your own. And he wants to take our weakness, which normally let's be honest, might feel a little embarrassing, maybe a little unnatural when it's something that we're not good at. And instead, he wants to use it to display his strength. But I think the problem is a lot of time we feel God is like calling us to something. We kind of have like three main excuses that we use to get out of it. Um, And maybe for you, like maybe you just use one of these and you're a solid, yep, I use that one excuse every single time. Or maybe you're like me and I use all three of these on a very often basis. Um, Very often basis? Yeah, very often basis. I'm going to stick with that. So I use all three of these all the time. And so the first excuse that we use sometimes when God is calling us to things is that we use the excuse of we have questions, right? We think like, well, why would God choose me of all people, right? There are so many other people who could do this so much better than I can. Or am I really sure? Like, is this really, am I really sure that this is what God wants me to do? Like, maybe I'm misreading this whole thing. I have more questions. How is this going to work? Why exactly does God want me to do this? And I think when we get there, a lot of times we get so caught up in the questions, then we don't actually do the action. We just stay there. And I don't know about you, like, it's normal for me to ask somebody, like, if somebody asks me to do something and I don't understand why, I'm going to ask questions. So I think the questions part is totally normal. And Mary could have gotten stuck there, right? I can't even imagine all the questions she had as a virgin who just found out she was about to give birth to God's son, right? And it's totally okay for us to have questions just like Mary did. But she didn't let those unanswered questions hold her back from what God was calling her to. And so the other excuse, so sometimes we have questions that kind of hold us up and we get stuck there. And other times, one of the other excuses we have is that we just feel unqualified. Like sometimes when God is calling us to like a new adventure, 
We simply just don't feel qualified enough. We feel like we need to either maybe know more, experience more, do more, or maybe we feel, and maybe you, don't even, you wouldn't even say this out loud, or maybe it's even like in your subconscious, but sometimes we just feel like maybe we've messed up too much, maybe I've sinned too much, or maybe I'm too broken for God to use me. And we kind of feel like only the all-stars really get used by God, but I'm just a bench warmer, so I'm just going to sit here on the bench, and I might be able to throw a towel, I might be able to hand a water bottle, but I don't really get to play. The all-stars are the ones that are really doing God's work. And I'm here to tell you, like, if that was the case, no one would ever qualify then. Like, every person has sinned. We have all have to lead out of our brokenness. And if you're waiting to feel qualified, I'm here to tell you, you will literally wait your entire life away. And you will miss out on all the amazing things that God wants to do through you. Because Mary had every reason in this moment to feel unqualified, right? She just got asked to be the mother to the son of God. She's not married. She's a virgin. She's a teenager, right? Like, do we need any other excuses besides that? Like, those are three great unqualifying things. And I, to be honest, most days, I don't really feel qualified to be my own kid's parents. I can't imagine Mary feeling qualified to raise God's son which, who, by the way, was also God. Like, like, I just can't even imagine how she was feeling. But what we see from Mary's life shows us that if you're not qualified or you're not ready, you are the perfect candidate for God to use you. We see not only in Mary's story, but all throughout the Bible, story after story of God using unqualified, imperfect people to do big, amazing things things. And so we have our last big excuse. We've had questions that we maybe get stuck up on. We are, we're unqualified or we feel like we are. And the last one is simply bad timing. And I think we have like this thing where we kind of think like, God, what you're calling me to do doesn't really fit into the plan right now. But most of us, if we're going to be honest, we don't really want to admit that out loud. We're not going to say, God, we, I don't have time for you right now. Like, we know that that's not the right thing to say out loud. So instead, we use other excuses, or we kind of kid ourselves into believing different lies or different lines, um, is that I can do it when I finally get more free time. Like, I use that one all the time. Oh, when I get more free time, I'll get around to that thing that I feel like I'm being called to do. Or like we say things like, man, things are so crazy right now, I can't imagine adding another thing. Or you know what? I'd love to get to do something like that someday, but this just isn't the right season. Like if these are your excuses, and maybe there's a 1% of us, like that's a legitimate excuse and that you should maybe not do that thing right now. But I would say for the vast majority of us, we use these excuses and we just kind of don't really do the things that we're being called to do. And we kind of just use it as a line that we kind of tell ourselves to lie to ourselves. And I would say that if that's you, maybe you need to kind of pause and look at your calendar, look at your schedule, look at your planner, whatever it is that you use. And is your life and your priorities, are they really lining up with what God has planned for you? Because if you are feeling too busy to take on something that God is calling you to, maybe there's something 
in your life that you need to take off your plate, maybe just for a season, maybe it's just temporarily, or maybe there's something you just need to permanently take off and say, you know what, this doesn't have room in my life right now if I really want to experience all that God has for me. Because Mary, in her shoes, like she's in the middle of planning a wedding and starting her new life with Joseph. It would have been so easy for her in that moment to say like, you know what, this whole given birth thing just doesn't really work out in my plans right now. Um, But instead, what Mary knew is that nothing would be more fulfilling. Nothing would be more important than what God was calling her into. The adventure that God had planned for her would be so much better than anything that she could come up with. I want to continue in that passage in this next part. This is what it says. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And what I love is that even in this moment, when things feel really impossible, when it feels like this can't happen, we are reminded that there is nothing that is impossible when God is involved. God takes the impossible and he makes it possible. And then Mary has this amazing response. And this is what she says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Like in this moment, she is willing to push aside any excuse that she might have, which, again, if we're going to be honest, pretty much any excuse for this moment would be probably pretty warranted, right? Like, instead of using any of those excuses, Mary just allows herself to be used by God. So much was hanging in the balance in that moment. The salvation of the entire world was on the line when Mary said yes. And so my question for you this morning, and maybe for this week, because I'm sure a lot of you maybe need to take this and process it some this week, but the question is, where is God calling you to say yes? Like, where in your life is God calling you to say yes? And maybe you've been piling up excuse after excuse after excuse to not really do that thing. And I'll be honest, I wish I was a lot smarter than I am. I wish I could just go, hey, this is exactly what God is calling you to. I'm going to tell each and every single one of you. But I can't. Um, But what I do know is that there are a lot of kind of different categories of like maybe things that God could be calling you to. Like maybe for me, the very first thing that comes to my mind is like maybe for you, it's just a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've kind of maybe grown up going to church. Maybe you've grown up not going to church and you've just had a place where you're like, I've never really trusted in Jesus. I've never had that relationship with Jesus. I've heard other people talk about it. I've heard other people exemplify it, but I've never really made that choice. Maybe for you, that's what it is right now. And you've been hung up on questions. You've been hung up on that place where you have all these unanswered questions. And because of that, you're like, I'm not gonna move forward. 
But maybe those excuses need to be put on pause as you choose to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Because you don't have to have all of the answers put in line to be able to follow Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, maybe you even made that decision a long time ago. And you're kind of in this place now where you don't know exactly when it happened, but you know that you haven't really followed Jesus, or at least not taken it very seriously in a long time. Maybe for you, it's time to re-up, kind of recommit and say yes to God in that way. Maybe there's like an opportunity that you've been really scared to say yes to, that you know for sure it's something that God's calling you to, but you've been like, I don't, there's a lot of unknown. I mean, this is 2020. We don't have to make big decisions right now because we don't know what's going to happen. No, maybe that big opportunity that you've been hanging on to with all these excuses, maybe that's where you need to say yes to God. Or maybe it's just simply serving. Like maybe there's a way that you need to start serving. And yes, for sure, at Bridgeway, we would love for you to serve here. But maybe for you, it's not even in this church. Like I don't even want to be the pastor telling you to serve. Like maybe this is like, there's another nonprofit. Maybe there's a person in your neighborhood. Maybe there's someone else that you know, you've been kind of called, like you should be helping them in some way. And you just haven't because it's uncomfortable. It's not easy. It's really easy to blame like, oh, but we're quarantining or, oh, but I got to wear a mask and, you know, have all these different excuses. Maybe for you, that's what you're getting called into to say yes. Or maybe it's an invite. Maybe there's someone that you need to invite to Bridgeway or into something that you're doing. Maybe your table group and it's, you're like, you know what? I don't really want to invite that person. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone else. I don't know. You're someone in your neighborhood. Do we still see our neighbors? Um, but, you know, maybe there's that person that you know, you've kind of had that inkling that you were supposed to invite them. And every week you're like, oh, it's not the right time. This person's doing this. Or, oh, you know what? They walked by really fast. I couldn't stop them. There's no way they would have heard me yell. I would have had to maybe raise my voice a little bit. You know, there's all these different excuses that we can make. Maybe there's someone that you need to invite in that is waiting for that invite. Or maybe, and I don't know, sometimes I think when we talk about things like this, we always think of like these giant, huge, amazing things that are like so crazy. Sometimes I think God also just whispers to us in really small nudges. Like I can't even tell you how many times I have felt like God has been nudging me to like talk to somebody, even just send them a text, check in on them for like weeks. And I make excuse after excuse to be like, you know what? They're just going to think I'm weird. I probably shouldn't be checking in. I'm sure they're fine. And then later I find out, oh man, I really should have probably talked to this person sooner than this because I kind of missed out on this huge opportunity. So where is God calling you to say yes? Because what I know is, is that God wants to use you to display his love and his power through your life to other people. So just like Mary, what is hanging in the balance for you? Or maybe a better question is, who is hanging in the balance for you? Like who is that person who might miss out on God's best for them and their life because of the excuses that we keep piling up? Like who might miss out on getting to experience the love of God through us and through our actions. Because we all have people who thankfully followed God's calling in their lives, and because of that, our lives are forever different. So imagine the impact in someone else's life that could happen because you choose to follow what God is calling you to say yes to. 
The adventure that God is calling us to is always so much better than our own adventure.